0: Okay, so you ready? I'm ready. Okay, one, two, three. Hey, Hey,
1: everybody. everybody. This is Y'all Heard. heard.
0: A podcast where me, Marissa Phillips.
1: And me, Pete Phillips.
0: Are not related by the light of the full moon.
1: Despite having the same last name.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That's very true.
1: And this is a podcast where we find something notable and we give you the notes on it. And then we expect you to laugh at us and then tell your friends about it. Yes, Yes. of course, at those extravagant dinner parties and galas that you attend.
0: (laughs) In other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Uh, Pete told me he doesn't have anything to say about his week. Pete, you can just tell me what is the most joyous thing you watched this week.
1: No, I'm afraid I can't. (laughs)
0: Okay, I'll just tell you how my weekend
1: Things, things and... don't really stick. I'll say that uh, work's been pretty quiet. That's nice. Why do I have these little tiny spiders in my house?
0: That's disgusting. Yeah. I do too. I want to die. That's not... If that's, that's what week. your week is, tell me anymore. I don't want to know anymore. <laughs> so, I don't expect the average person to necessarily... Maybe you've seen it, but it was just it, it, it just washed over you, but, uh, BTS announced that they were oh, going yeah, on a, so sorry. A, a hiatus, they didn't say they're disbanding, but anyway, my father has his ongoing bit, and I'm really impressed with how committed he is to it, um, where he pretends he really likes BTS, Uh, He plays BTS in the car, and I say, well, how do you even have that song? And he goes, oh, because I love BTS. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he'll be dancing to BTS when he knows I'm going to come into a room, and he's like, oh, I didn't know you were here. (laughs) So I got a bunch of phone calls today. My father calls me sometimes, but he doesn't, like, call me multiple times unless something's happening because he knows I'll just call him back. So he calls me multiple times. And mind you, there is some family family situations happening. So I thought maybe something happened to my grandpa. So I'm like, oh, my God, Dad, is everything okay? He's like, well, I mean, I guess it's okay. And I was like, what's wrong? And he's just like, I heard BTS is breaking up. And I was just like, oh, you're ridiculous. And I was like, but just go on a hiatus. He's like, you know, that's how it always starts. That's he's what you right. always say when you break up. And you know what? I was just like, wow, my dad really committed to this bit for almost a year, and I'm pretty impressed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's really all I have to, uh, to share that my dad's, uh, really committed to his long form joke, and I'm proud of him.
1: That's why he doesn't think you're funny.
0: Because <laughs> you don't commit. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I don't do these long-form jokes that he does. But, yeah, my father does not think I'm funny. Despite the fact that I make him laugh constantly, I just want that to be known. I make my father laugh all of the time. (laughs) Anyway. Icebreaker.
1: Yeah? If I were going to throw you an icebreaker today, I would ask you this question. Okay. You are a writer. Yes. Yes. I mean this in the nicest way possible. I don't think this is what you intended when you decided one day that you might be a writer.
0: No, of So my
1: icebreaker not. is, what kind of famous writer would you want to be, or did you want to be?
0: Okay, in a fantasy land, before you understand how the world works, I thought one of two things would happen. I thought I would be able to write novels not in college I was before college I wasn't that stupid when I went to college but I thought uh I thought before college I thought I could write novels and make a living off of that and once I hit college I thought maybe I could sell a few short stories and maybe I can make my way writing for little different uh publications because I used to write for a little dumb entertainment newspaper in Wilkes-Barre like an entertainment blog, I used to be the entertainment editor for my school paper. So, and I was really into fashion. I thought I could freelance uh, in fashion magazines. So I thought I would be able to, uh, yeah, to to juggle reading articles for a paycheck and write uh, short stories for my own satisfaction. What a joke! Uh, what do I want to do now? Um, at At least I would love to at least be able to pay all the bills with. I dream of being able to pay all my bills with some sort of freelance that is like. At least some sort of freelance that doesn't make me want to die. And then I hope I have the free time to at least get a few short stories published. That's all I want, Pete. That's all I want.
1: That's all I want. Practically, I would say the same thing like a couple of stories out there. I had Mm -hmm. one student in the past who was like, I Googled you and I didn't find anything that you wrote. So why are you qualified to teach this class? I Googled you and I didn't find
0: anything you wrote, you bitch. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) You rude
1: bitch. I think, um... I, uh, that was just... That kid was really off-putting and alarming. Yes, yeah, <laughs> But he transferred like, yeah. immediately after the semester was over.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to be like, after he Googled
1: you. No, okay. no, no, no. Yeah. But surprisingly, that's the only student who's ever called me into question about my... Um, I guess because I'm up front with everybody and I'm like, look, I don't do this for a living. So,
0: I mean, whatever. The creative writing teacher that I had that Really inspired me. Also, didn't have any publications I was aware of. And even though we went to graduate school for an MA and then an MSA with more quote unquote seasoned writers, I still think, uh, my creative writing teacher who didn't have publications was better.
1: Yeah. That's just me personally, but. I think, yeah. um, in my heyday of dreams, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to write sci-fi channel movies.
0: I know I wish you
1: could um, but that didn't happen.
0: See it's very interesting. So we have a, a loyal listener, Michael Stinson, who is like he's like my age. Uh, you know like this is the age where I see a lot of people's dreams die. But Michael Stinton is so committed to being a writer that he doesn't let his dreams die. And I think I'm allowed to say that he recently got a movie funded that he's going to start filming soon. And he has other good news that I don't think I could say yet. But long story short is not letting his dreams die pay off. But boy, if I was like, I want to achieve this. And I was this age, my mother would be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, good (laughs) job. Uh, no, sorry, not who my mother under the bus. I mean, people would be like, yeah, okay. Um, I mean, I'm about to go freelance for a bit and even that scares me and makes it seem like I'm a little foolish. But yeah, so I just got to say, Mike Simpson, you're an inspiration.
1: That being said, uh, Mike is having, he's, he's reaping some benefits at this point. Um, he's demonstrating some success. I would like to let people know it is okay to let your dreams die at a certain point.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you're okay... If, if it's My brother-in-law
1: deal, is but... still trying to be a professional NFL football coach and it's not going to happen.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I know he always wants to be a coach. He's still trying to be a professional... I'm sorry. Nope, this was a private conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: So at certain I'm points, you know, uh, it's time to move on with your, with your dreams. And so... Um, and readjust them. Okay.
0: Yes. Yeah, and readjust them. Don't say let them die. I mean, I used to want to like <laughs> fucking work for fashion magazines. And then I, I interned with some people, well, sort of in fashion. And I was like, this shit is dumb. And my dreams changed.
1: And I got Do stuck I still on want a,
0: to I don't
1: know what. Oh, I got stuck on a screenplay that I just couldn't figure out how to finish for a while. But I haven't written anything since then about about uh, in terms of screenplays or anything.
0: I mean, all I write are skits. For an Instagram, I only update every few months. But do I dream of somehow not letting my friends, my quote-unquote well-meaning friends who um, tell me things I did wrong on internet videos I make? Do I dream of not letting them get to me and just making the internet content I want? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping not to let that dream die. But, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so now well, I'm going to spiral I'm... a bit. You are? Um, I, now, if I sit down to write something now, I have a really difficult time imagining that anybody gives any shit <laughs> 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 about anything that... I'm not going to even just say that I have to say that anybody has to say.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know that you and me see eye to eye on that, and that's why we're not fucking influencers or, like, in journals. Um, But I I also, I I see my, my boyfriend, he's always like, look at these fucking people. And he shows me, like, clout doctors who, like, make dumb, like, memes about diabetes and like do little dances about how to keep your blood pressure under control and he's like I wanna like I wanna like become you know you know get get noticed for you know what I do but like I would hate myself if I became that and I was like yeah and I was like that's why like what's holding me back I'm too self aware I think in order to not in order to become a writer you need to lack self awareness but um, in this in this day and age, do a lot of things. You really like, you can't look too much inside yourself. Yeah, I think that's the that's the key to succeeding. <laughs> Not doing a lot of like self exploration.
1: It's true. The people that I know who uh, lack self awareness. I don't know if I would say that they're all successful, but they're all successful in their own eyes, and maybe that's all you need.
0: (laughs) Honestly, that probably is all you need. Uh,
1: Well, hey, let's just abruptly change the subject, because transitioning off of that is just going to be too depressing.
0: Uh, I just want to let you all know that uh, I told Pete at the last moment at 9 o'clock if we could do a podcast, after I already told him we weren't doing it today, so I just feel really bad, that's all.
1: But I'm excited that I get to edit it tomorrow uh, instead of. Well, never mind.
0: <laughs> I'm so, I'm sorry. I'm doing my best, and I, no. I sometimes plan things, and I I don't realize what I do.
1: So sometimes when I'm looking around for ideas about what to do for the podcast, I that's right. Sometimes I look. Sometimes it doesn't come to me. I look for it. <laughs> okay. Um. I always kind of like to look at weird stuff about places where I live. So we talked about a spree killer and the Wells house in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. We talked about the Pine Barrens in New Jersey. We talked about famous hauntings in Pittston, Pennsylvania. But another town that I live nearby, not really, but kind of, is Berwick, Pennsylvania. The most wonderful thing to come from Berwick is Wise Potato Chips. Uh, there's also a famous holiday light show in the town that draws a lot of traffic from far and wide. High school football is also big in Berwick. One day I went to the Berwick River Fest, So that's what I have on Berwick. <laughs> okay. Behind the scenes, I also went to their Kmart.
0: <laughs> oh, all
1: right.
0: Does Kmart still exist?
1: I don't know. We're going to have to take a road trip to okay. Berwick. <laughs> Berwick okay. is the kind of town where you'd be like, oh, yeah, there is a Kmart because they forgot to close this one.
0: <laughs> I just want to let you know that Pete is a good enough friend and we have such a good time just doing random shit that if he was like, hey, let's take a road trip to see if there's a Kmart in Berwick. And yeah. if there was a Kmart, we'd have a lot of fun.
1: Uh-huh. Even if there wasn't, we'd <laughs> be like, hey, yeah, why yeah. not? We'll find something else. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) So in 1907, there was a man named Richard Sharpshaver who was born in Berwick. I'm
0: sorry, that was really his last name?
1: Richard Sharpshaver, yes. (laughs) You know, Marissa, I have to be honest. I've been researching this man for about two or three days, and this is the first time I realized that.
0: That's insane. Is Sharp a middle name or his last name is Sharpshaver?
1: I couldn't tell you. It's Sharp with an E at the end. Uh, okay. In 1907, a man named Richard Sharpshaver was born in Berwick. Okay. A baby was born in Berwick. <laughs> and he would go on to be a man. Um, a man, a writer, a rock lover, and an artist. I will explain like, all three of like those points.
0: sounds or rock music?
1: <laughs> Not rock music.
0: <laughs> Ooh,
1: okay. In his early 30s, I'm sorry, in the early
0: 30s,
1: (laughs) because he was born in 1907, uh, at the peak of the Great Depression at a Ford Auto factory believed to be in Detroit, a factory worker named Richard Sharpshaver had an undefined accident and soon after began to report a strange phenomenon. By his account, a welding gun somehow allowed him to hear the thoughts of his co-workers. What
0: the fuck?
1: He then claims to have received a telepathic record of a torture session conducted by evil beings who live deep within the caverns under Earth. As you might not be surprised, he quit his job at the factory not long after this, and he became a bit of a drifter. His subsequent misadventures are unknown until 1943. Now, Marissa, before we go any further, you are the resident expert on this. We keep going to you for it. Can you explain to us... The primary alien races slash types once again.
0: Okay. uh, The tall whites, or the Nordics, as they're also called, are like a kind of humanoid, fair-skinned, blonde-haired alien that doesn't usually come in any, like, physical contact uh, or visual contact with humans. They just uh, usually will telepathically communicate. Uh, The greys are the, like, cliche aliens you see in most movies. Small bodies, big heads, big eyes. And the reptilians are the <laughs> reptile shapeshifters.
1: People running the government.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So, Marissa, you forgot one, according oh, to no, Shaver. And that is the Daros.
0: No, I've never heard of that in my life. And if last podcast on the left did not tell me, it doesn't exist.
1: The Daros is short for Detrimental Robots. Now, these are not, these are not, not these are not bleep bloop robots, Marissa. These are, he used the word, so remember, it's the 1930s, so robot, like, I don't even know what he's dreaming up by using this word, but he means robot by like, if somebody, you know, delivers bad news and they don't cry about it or show any emotion, you go like, oh my god, you're being such a robot about this. Um,
0: He means robot?
1: Yeah, cold and uncaring. The Daros still live in cave cities that they built long, long ago here in Earth. They kidnap surface-dwelling people by the thousands for meat or for torture. With the sophisticated ray machinery that the great ancient races had left behind, they spied on people and they projected tormenting thoughts and voices into our minds. Darrow's could be so blamed for like a
0: combination of the greys and the tall white. I'm mean, sorry. No, it sounds like a combination of reptilians and tall whites. Sorry.
1: Mm, we're getting like, uh, it- up on a key fork in the road on that. <laughs> okay. Darrow's could be blamed for nearly all misfortunes, from a minor accidental injury to illness uh, to an airplane crashing or a catastrophic natural disaster.
0: Okay, now they also sound like gnomes or trolls.
1: <laughs> Women especially were singled out for brutal treatment, including rape and sadomasochism. Uh, that was one and of now the prominent
0: sounds like the SNL skit with Kate McKinnon.
1: <laughs> and that was one of the prominent themes in Shaver's writing. Though generally confined to their caves, Shaver claimed that the Darrow sometimes traveled with spaceships or rockets and had dealings with equally evil extraterrestrial beings. Shaver claimed to possess first-hand knowledge of the Darrow's and their caves, insisting that he had been their pres- prisoner for several years. Mm. Okay. Shaver is the namesake of the Shaver mystery, a term which was coined by Ray Palmer, the editor of the OG sci-fi magazine Amazing Stories. This term was supposed to be used for the run of stories that all supported and built off of the world that I just described Mm -hmm. that Richard Sharp Shaver created, question mark. Because he didn't create it, right? He says firsthand this actually happened to him. How dare you? So according to Palmer, the editor, Shaver outlined his experiences with the Deros in a manuscript called A Warning to Future Man. This was a 10,000 word manuscript, but that's not exactly where their relationship began. Prior to this, Shaver corresponded with Palmer about Mantong, an ancient proto-human language that was the source of all earthly language.
0: Mantong?
1: Yeah. In Mantong, each sound had a hidden meaning, and by applying this formula to any word in any language, one could decode a secret meaning to any word, name, or phrase. I mean,
0: I have to say... I hope he just enjoyed all this rather than being in torment because, I mean, if you really think it's true, it sounds kind of exciting.
1: Yeah. So, Palmer actually beefed up Shaver's 10,000-word story account. He said it was really difficult to read. So, in order to pad it out and create a plot, uh, he bumped it up to 31,000 words. And this was published in 1945 as I Remember Lemuria. Now... Mm. As somebody who's sent stories out and tried to get them published, 8,000 words is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. know how they got away with 31,000 words, unless maybe they broke it up over a series of uh, issues. So we talked about the lost continent of Lemuria in uh, the episode called Y'all Heard About Living Underground, if that sounds familiar at all. So this issue of Amazing Stories sold out, which was not common. And it generated okay. quite a response. Between 1945 and 1949, many letters attesting to the truth of Shaver's claims, tens of thousands of letters, according to Ray Palmer, the editor, the correspondents what? claimed that they, too, had heard strange voices or encountered denizens of the hollow earth, which we also talked about on a different episode. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Over the next 3 years, some estimate that Amazing Stories was almost 75% Shaver mysteries. And some delighted in this, but many did not. Oh, why? Well, many science fiction fans felt compelled to condemn the Shaver's mystery or the Shaver mystery as the Shaver hoax. These fans already distressed by Palmer's shift away from the literary or hard science fiction of earlier years, um to space operas, organized a letter-writing campaign to try to persuade the publishers of Amazing Stories to cease all Shaver mystery articles.
0: Make your own magazine, dudes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, shut up. In fact, Palmer printed a number of critical or skeptical letters sent to Amazing Stories, and he and other contributors occasionally rebutted and replied to them uh, in print. Historian Mike Dash writes that the critics of the Shaver mystery were quick to point out that its author was suffering from several of the classic symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia, and that many of the letters pouring into Amazing recounted personal experiences that backed up the author's stories patently came from the sorts of people who would otherwise spend their time claiming that they were being persecuted by invisible voices or their neighbor's dog. I'm sorry, how could they
0: prove that that's what their stories are coming from?
1: So that's the thing. He was posted. he was putting out these stories. They were saying, like, these are real stories. And then people were yeah. writing into the magazine saying, yeah, of course they're real stories. I've been there too. I hear voices too. And it must be the Daros. And the critics are like, that's because all of these people you're getting letters from are schizophrenic too.
0: <laughs> How the fuck would you know, dude? <laughs> I mean, I think this is all a little wild but like come on if you have all these people backing it up I would keep publishing them and yeah unless you have definitive proof that they're schizophrenic like that's a a harsh accusation
1: somebody commented on uh, the find a grave site website Mm -hmm. um, at Richard Sharp Shaver's grave it it was just like I just want to remind people how easy it was to be committed to a mental institution When this man was alive. During 1948, Amazing Stories actually ceased all publication of Shaver's stories. Aww. Palmer would later claim that the magazine was pressured by sinister outside forces to make the change. Science fiction fans, though, would credit their boycott and letter-writing campaigns for the change. The magazine's owner said that the Shaver mystery had simply run its course and sales were decreasing even after the pulp magazines lost popularity, Palmer continued promoting the Shaver mystery, meaning again, this whole world that all of this stuff takes place in, to a diminishing audience via the periodical The Hidden World. There was a critic who described the magazine as Shaver in the raw, with a little (laughs) little of Palmer's editing. The volume is mainly recommended for students of the inner earth, and those looking for historical material on these matters. Okay. Shaver and his wife produced the Shaver Mystery Magazine irregularly for some years after as well.
0: I didn't know he had a wife.
1: He had a few wives. Oh. This is another one of those things where it's like,
0: really, man? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) So... That's a little bit about his his writing career, but it's not the mm-hmm. only career that he had. Marissa, what else is he, do you recall?
0: Did you say it?
1: I did, and you questioned it?
0: Um, a, a rock fan.
1: A rock lover, yes. Okay. During the 60s and the 70s, now living in obscurity, Shaver searched for the physical evidence of bygone prehistoric races. He claimed to find in... Certain rocks, I'm sorry, he claimed to find it in certain rocks which he believed were rock books that had been created by the great ancients and embedded with legible pictures and texts. For years he wrote about the rock books photographed them and made paintings of the images he found in them to demonstrate their historic importance he even ran a rock book lending library through the mail sending a slice of polished agate with a detailed description of what writings drawings and photographs he claimed were archived by atlanteans inside the stone oh (laughs) using special laser-like devices just so just so we're cool with this I'm gonna screen share over, Marissa. Okay. We have a couple. we only have two. And I'm really bummed because I thought I pasted in the alphabet too, the Mantong alphabet. But um okay. so this is the inside of a rock, Marissa. Do you see anything okay. there?
0: Um
1: Do I need to zoom in?
0: I mean I see it. It's very hard to make anything make out anything. I see lots of cuts and holes.
1: Yeah. Am I supposed to see something else? <laughs> Rock like this is totally confusing. Till you notice the masks over the eyes, part of the storytelling, like the mask over the Lone Ranger's eyes. The mask is speaking to a larger form, female with very large breasts.
0: What are you saying?
1: And they I'm are plotting mistaken. the story hook, of course. So take a look at it again. Do you I'm see all either- that? <laughs> no. Do you? Okay, here's a different one. This is more likely, like, this this makes sense to me, Okay. What do you I see, see here? Shape. You see a, a face. Shape. You see a Mangry face shape. because on this one, he's applied color to highlight what oh, he sees whatever. in the rocks.
0: That's ridiculous.
1: Listeners at home, this would be like if you went to, I mean, maybe you have one yourself, but if you had a marble counter and you looked at it and you were like, hey, there's a face there. Or you looked up at the clouds yeah. and you were like, hey, you see that bird? No, birds birds belong in the clouds. Hold on. You see that <laughs> like <laughs> you see the shape of a car up there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um so that's what he did and when he applied the painting to them, it was a lot easier to tell what he was going for, but without it it just looks like a bunch of rocks. So basically he was sort of searching everyday life for explanations of these different mysteries that were taking place mm-hmm. in the ancient times. So he never really succeeded in generating much attention for his later findings during his lifetime. But there have been exhibits of Shaver's art and photographs in the years since his death. Artist Brian Tucker created an exhibition of Shaver's life's work in 1989 at the California Institute of the Arts. And he presented Shaver's work again in Santa Monica and in the Guggenheim Gallery of Chapman University in Orange County, California. So far, we're like, yeah, a bunch of Californians. I could see this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In 2009,
1: Tucker, the artist who is organizing these, curated Mantong and Protong, an exhibition at Pasadena uh, Pasadena City College, which pairs Shaver's work with that of another artist that I don't Know who they are, but his art has been uh, exhibited in galleries in New York City and in a traveling exhibition of outsider photography called "Create and be recognized that um yeah, it was also organized in California. So, <laughs> in that exi- in that exhibition, which toured the US, Shaver's rock book photography was grouped with works by famous outsider artists including Henry Darger and Adolf Wolfie. Okay, I don't know who that is.
0: I don't Yeah,
1: no, I just threw that in there for Cassie.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> um All right. Some have also said that aspects of QAnon conspiracy theories have been compared to Shaver's ideas, almost as if he were sort of a grandfather of some of these ideas.
0: I can totally believe
1: that. Particularly the theme of sadomasochistic abusive acts taking place in subterranean tunnels, with the perpetrators also manipulating the events of the surface world. Oh yeah, the dumbs,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah, okay.
1: So... After learning all of this stuff, it seemed like there were some holes in his life. There is a website out there that digs really deep into this man's life. But I only pulled out a couple of things that I thought I could share without boring all of you guys to death. And it looks like this episode is running a little bit shorter than I anticipated, so... <laughs> I should have pulled more.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's interesting.
1: So, Shaver's first wife was Sophie Gervich. She was born in 1903, died in 1936. She was 4 years older than he was and they were wed in 1932 in Detroit. And they lived together as husband and wife for 2 years until she had Shaver committed to a mental hospital Ew. in 1934. <laughs> okay. That wasn't the end of their marriage though. The marriage ended when Sophie died from an accidental electrocution in December 20 or in December of oh, 1936. That's Shaver probably didn't know about this at the time, for he was hospitalized and he had been suffering what the newspaper and he himself would later call, euphemistically, sunstroke.
0: What the shit?
1: <laughs> Shaver also had a daughter with Sophie Gerwich. And the daughter, um, like he was locked away in a mental institution. The mother died and the grandparents sued for custody. And, she, like, just completely dropped Shaver off of this girl's name. They were like, you're never going to have to deal with that guy ever again. <laughs> okay. Um, so much like Jackie Chan, he just sort of left that girl in the dust. <laughs> oh. Shaver's second marriage didn't last very long. Uh, that was to Virginia Fenwick, who divorced him pretty quickly. The reason for the divorce is supposed to have been... Shaver's false claim mar- made on his marriage license that he had not been institutionalized during the previous five years. Why
0: is that a claim on a license?
1: I think it's part of the license, like, maybe just, like, the fine print in a marriage license.
0: Interesting. Like, you are of sound mind. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: The second... So, Vir- I think... Oh, I think Virginia Fenwick was the one that he married... Yeah, yeah, according to the to the timing here. Um, I think she's the one that he married who was also a writer. And they both um, wrote. That's all. They both met at the same school. He was a teacher for a little while. This was a school called like the Wicker Fine Arts School or something. So he had a really interesting life. But I believe he was also married one more time. And that is who he is buried next to. Uh, out in Arkansas. Uh, Interestingly enough, he is on a website that outlines the most famous people in Arkansas.
0: (laughs) I'm really okay.
1: Even though it's kind of questionable uh, what his contribution is, especially given the state of the world today, some people talk about him very dismissively. Some people talk about him very seriously, that he seriously contributed to a lot of underpinning of truths and and things like that if you think about it you know it would be like putting out the avengers and being like no but this shit's real okay yeah (laughs) and then people are like wait a minute is it really and and you know that this would happen some people would be like it's totally true
0: (laughs) i mean i'm sure there are people out there that do think it's 9-11
1: was actually an avengers attack of some sort (laughs) Uh,
0: absolutely someone out there
1: thinks that is that dangerous of course it's dangerous if something isn't true We should be upfront and say that it's not true. But, yeah, they sort of called it the Shaver hoax because some people believe that Shaver actually didn't believe what was happening. But most people lean on the fact that he was probably schizophrenic and that he did believe everything that he claimed was happening.
0: Probably, but we don't know for sure.
1: And they criticize Ray Palmer as just publishing whatever sold issues and... I can't blame him for that. He's the editor of the magazine. He's got to sell. He's got to sell magazines. <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I, I, don't know. I, I find this guy interesting. Never, and I can't believe I never heard of him.
1: Ray Palmer, um, the guy that he that Richard Sharpshaver worked with.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I think he was also like four foot eight, which just adds another layer of what <laughs> to this story. Like, I'm not short shaming him, but would you just see a picture of him standing next to? the author um you're like huh
0: <laughs> yeah unique okay
1: so yeah i thought it was really interesting this art that he created based on rocks because people seem to like when i take pictures of like water on instagram and then draw a thing that i saw in the water <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe stuff one, like yeah, that we'll yeah we'll be Guggenheim.
1: you never know yeah
0: I'm not going to lie though, I, I like his, uh, I like his alien world stuff better than his rock art.
1: Yeah, I just wish he didn't really rely on ancient aliens as much.
0: I mean, yeah, I know, but I just, I just like anyone who could make such a, a rich, interesting reality. Okay, I'm sure. Yeah. He would prefer to not be schizophrenic. If he is, we don't even know. Ah! Uh,
1: the rock art spoke to me more as a strange thing. Okay. Because like when you're making... When you're trying to write a story and sell magazines, that makes sense that you can make some stuff up. But... Wow. You're telling me you're just walking around, you see a rock, and then you just slice it and go, oh, I see (laughs) a story here.
0: (laughs) But he makes up a story. Let's say he made it up. And it's so compelling that other people say they experienced it, too? I mean, yeah, you could say some of them are schizophrenic, but what? Like, half of your magazine's readership is schizophrenic people? Because it sounds like a lot of people said it happened to them.
1: Yeah. To circle back a bit to our opening, um, this is a small selection on one of his uh, rock books. This is the one that you looked at that had the color attached to it. Mm -hmm. Accenting a black and white print with colored pens gives you the face like this multiples of faces in a series of sizes what am i supposed to do about it after i tell them i can never quite figure to the average joe it's an insane idea because he never heard of any previous civilization the whole thing is some sort of delusion i suppose if i don't accent the prints, he says he can't see them and if i do accent them i'm quote unquote making them from my imagination since i can't win I don't try very hard.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I thought it was just a very interesting thing. And again, if you travel to the town of Berwick, you could be like, I can understand how a schizophrenic person could avoid ending up in the hospital. (laughs) But also, of course, yes, if he he does suffer from mental illness, um, you know, some people criticized uh, Ray Palmer for giving this man a platform when he clearly could have used some mental help. But also, at that time, I don't know what anybody would have done to, you know, satisfy somebody uh, with...
0: I mean, it's Red Bomber's not a fucking psychiatrist, psychologist. Why is it their job? Yeah. It's fucking, I think, you know what?
1: I think their, if- their position was he should be more discerning when he picks up something that's a bunch of gibberish. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Make your own fucking magazine, bitch.
1: Yeah.
0: Bitches? (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
1: Oh, um, he also believed that mermaids were real.
0: Whatever, I think it's all fun.
1: Yeah.
0: He (laughs) didn't kill us because of it, and so it's all fun.
1: If you remember our episode on um, mermaids... Yeah. ...from uh, the same page, we think of mermaids as a mad sort of myth... But in fact, they were our direct ancestors. <laughs> Wait,
0: sorry, what? Yeah. He, he wrote that, you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well.
1: That's where some of the rock book stories come from as well. So. Also, what a...
0: You know what? We're all trying our best. What a
1: crazy hobby. What? Rock, rock books.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. You crack open one rock, you're like, oh, man, there's no stories in here.
0: Yeah, that's... That's interesting. You're right. Like, it is. It's weird.
1: And then no, if you... No, will
0: talk our best.
1: If you recall what I said, he ran a rock book lending library through the mail, sending yeah. a slice of polished <laughs> agate.
0: Of rock? That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's the most interesting part, actually. Mm-hmm. I mean... Whatever, this guy seemed like he lived an okay life. He had, like, a fan base. Maybe not the biggest, but he had one, and people listened to his stuff. I don't know. Yeah. He's more extraordinary than a lot of people. I say whatever, man.
1: And he was born in Berwick, Pennsylvania. Oh, that's And it seems like, listen, I went into the Wikipedia for Berwick, and I added him to the list of famous people because he wasn't on there, and he's the only person on that list I'd ever heard of.
0: Wow, that's kind of weird.
1: Huh. I've made very few Wikipedia edits in my life, but I stand by all of them.
0: <laughs> what? Tell us what more you've made.
1: The only other one I can think of right now is uh, there was a politician who was divorced from his wife, and but the Wikipedia page said that he was happily married and had a bunch of kids, and I was and I put in no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> and so i just deleted that whole section and uh i didn't have like a source to link to but they didn't have a source that said that they were married either oh
0: so then yeah what the fuck yeah okay cool
1: cool so marissa any any like maybe you could find some like wood stories (laughs) like wood hey
0: i mean wood would tell a tale for sure
1: of course yeah Rings in a tree?
0: Yeah. I mean, like, you see Knots in Wood all the time. They have all the tales to tell. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, for some reason, I still find the alien part more
1: interesting. I think it's just because...
0: I think I'm mad I don't know about it. Because you like S&M. Yes. (laughs) Precisely. No, I just... I, I, I like to know about all the... Heavy hitters in, in, in alien lore. I guess he's not a heavy hitter, but it seemed like he had an impact.
1: You can go really deep into that stuff. I didn't tell you about the Taros. <laughs> um, and the Taros are the benevolent beings uh, that, that go against the Daros. So they actually, so like what happened was he was held captive by some Daros and i believe he had a wife while he was captive as well i mm-hmm. don't know i don't know how that becomes legal but um oh but one of the Taros actually mm-hmm. snuck him out of where he was being held captive and freed him back to the earth uh you know to the surface i should say oh
0: how nice of them
1: right and uh that's how he got away so that he could come back and tell people about it
0: mm, okay well Whatever.
1: Even and this was all crazy. because of his welding gun at the Ford factory, guys. You never know what's gonna come to you while you are at work. Okay,
0: I did forget about that part. That makes it all a little zanier. But okay, <laughs> I completely forgot about that but the,
1: part. Uh, one of the things I do want to stress, though, is that a lot of people when they talk about this man are just like, "Listen to this crazy asshole." <laughs> but I really do kind of admire the fact that, like, I this is a dangerous. Thing to say and it's like a slippery slope for sure like when we look at kanye today we're like this man needs help he can't keep putting out music yeah. where he just sounds like a lunatic but he does and people buy it and he still makes money i think yeah. there is something nice to be said about finding a creative outlet outlet for the mental illness that you might have um,
0: Oh, hundred
1: percent. you should yeah. still or, or using it to exercise some of that emotionality or something um yeah. To get it out without harming other people.
0: Exactly. I mean as long as you're not tormented and you're not harming other people, I mean I don't I don't think I don't know, maybe this is wrong with me and maybe this is too controversial, but I mean like I don't look at this and go like, Wow, this is all fucked up, someone should have sent him to a to a doctor. Like mm-hmm. again, he didn't hurt anyone. He seemed like he was like making something of his life and people enjoyed it. So I mean like so what? Yeah.
1: Whatever, and it was just at a time where um, there weren't a lot of other sci-fi magazines. They did crop up as this time went by, because mm-hmm. some people didn't like the stories that Amazing Stories was publishing. Um, okay. But yeah, for the most part, you know, there wasn't a lot of you know. We don't have TV channels to you know flip through. We don't have maybe access to a ton of different periodicals, and so if this is the leading one. What are you going to do? It's
0: creative, interesting. Why not publish this shit?
1: Yeah. Cool. Speaking of publishing, Marissa. Plugs. Do you have any plugs?
0: <laughs> I do. And while I knew I would like this, uh, what I'm about to plug, just like, like, I wouldn't put this on like the, the top one hundred lists of best movies in the world, but I will just say like the most joy I can recall came from the Bob's Burgers movie, which I just came back from seeing nice. a few hours ago. It was just like really funny. I don't even like I've only seen like five episodes of Bob's Burgers. It was just really funny. Really like pure and ridiculous. And uh yeah, it was one of like there was not one moment that was slow or one moment that was boring. I was just like, this is one of, like best movies I've seen this year yeah. <laughs> so the Bob's Burger movie again like if you like Bob's Burger you probably like it even more I didn't have much of an opinion and it was
1: so fun so yeah,
0: yeah. watch that instead of Top Gun
1: wow wow <laughs> it
0: was, oh it's so amazing but do you need to like the first one to like it cause I never want to see a military fucking plane movie it sounds so fucking boring
1: it does. We can talk about yeah. that after.
0: How cool could that movie possibly be? Anyway.
1: Um, goose. Oh,
0: my God, Goose. Anyway.
1: If it ain't a Grey Goose.
0: What?
1: If it ain't a Grey Goose, I don't care.
0: Right? Okay, I'm sorry. What's your plug? Um
1: a while back i plugged the miss marvel series like like comic books so this time Mm -hmm. i'll plug the show i am i I am both on the side of the people who are like why did you change your powers and ruin her character oh and the side that's like who gives a shit it's a fun show
0: (laughs) yeah i don't know what her powers are supposed to be so i can watch it with fresh eyes
1: right right um. Although I did re read one harsh critique that was like they just made her the Green Lantern, <laughs> and oh. I was like, ooh, ooh, that hurts. <laughs> uh, okay. But um, it's a fun show. I I feel like it's pretty wholesome. It's it's almost like I, I- Marissa. I feel like you're gonna love it because it gives me almost kind of like sitcom vibes, but it's also cool. not a sitcom. So fun.
0: The trailer did look fun. And speaking of Pete, did drop a new trailer review i started watching it and then i texted you about the podcast so i will finish it when we get off
1: also available this week on patreon is our latest not just for patrons um spotify playlist which will be coming at you well which has come at you (laughs) this week um this wednesday so you can go to our patreon.com slash y'all heard and you can check that out for free or you can join up and get a bunch of other stuff that we've been doing over the last... I think we really pumped it up in the last, what, year?
0: Yeah, for sure. Because I started pulling my own fucking weight. <laughs> it was just you before that. Sorry.
1: So you can uh, call us.
0: At 570 one. You can also email us at...
1: Shout at y'allherd.me.
0: As always, you can slide it to my DMs at Risk Vandal. And remember, you can also text our phone number. And also, we'll never pick up the phone.
1: Yeah. If so, you have
0: social anxiety like I do.
1: You're not going to have to talk to anybody. In fact, it's going to ring and then immediately go to voicemail. <laughs>
0: yeah. so the Which
1: is alarming for some people. So just so you know.
0: <laughs> Any topics you want us to cover, let us know. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Thank you. <laughs> Bye! Bye.
1: Bye. Bye.